This podcast is sponsored by valleygivesback.org. What will you be remembered for? Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what matter to you. Making a gift that costs nothing during your lifetime is easy and revocable if things change. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action inspires others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the Valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about planned giving options. Plan now. Give later. Impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. Years we brought you the news. Printed the info, we gave you the clues. Owners' profits were always sky high. Changing market now threatens our lives. Postliteration, critical reading, dumbed down nation signs have been breeding. TV sucking ideas from our Discourse just about dead. We'll ride the dinosaur. Yeah, ride the dinosaur. Hello, I'm Eugene Driscoll of ValleyIndy.org. Welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie podcast. Today's episode is experimental and unstructured because I'm venturing out of the local news zone, people. I apologize in advance. My guests today are two people I went to school with growing up in Somers, New York. I decided to have them on here because the New York Times recently featured my hometown of Somers, New York, in a Living Here article. The town comes across as wealthy, whimsical, and wonderful, Westchester County, New York, to its core. But I thought it would be interesting to talk to two people who've lived in the town for some 40 years apiece to get their reaction to the article and to react to the reaction they're seeing from their neighbors. I was curious as to whether they thought the world's best-known newspaper accurately captured their community. The short answer is, they did not. We end up talking about what we found out, or when we found out, we were from the, quote, poor, unquote, section of Somers. And Shannon, an author and someone I haven't had a conversation with since we graduated high school in 1992, talks about not fitting in growing up in Somers, New York, and being badly bullied growing up there and how those experiences still are with her. But first, yes, this is Valley Indie. We are a local news site, and this podcast is sponsored by valleygivesback.org, by the way. There's a lot going on in the Valley, so here's a rundown of some local news happenings. First, I received an email last week, or maybe two weeks ago, from the State Education Department saying the scheduled inquiry in front of the State Board of Education to look at whether the city of Ansonia improperly cut the school budget was pushed to February 6th. It had been scheduled for January 3rd, but from what I was told, the city government and the school district are in mediation in connection to their court case. That's the one that the city, I'm sorry, the Board of Education has pending against the city concerning what the school district says is an illegal and improper budget cut. Next scheduled court date is October 2019, but obviously an agreement could be hammered out perhaps well before then. Second, Derby Mayor Richard Zekin has scheduled a state of the city address 
for Wednesday, January 16th, 10 a.m., Derby City Hall. I believe that's the first Derby State of the City address in at least 10 years. I don't remember one being one happening on my watch unless I slept in or something. Third, okay, this is a doozy. The Representative Policy Board of the South Central Connecticut Regional Water District is holding a public hearing 7 p.m. Thursday, January 17th at the RWA headquarters, 90 Sergeant Drive in New Haven on a proposal to build a 1 million gallon water tank in the city of Derby. This is something the Regional Water Authority has been trying to do for years. They uh, say that the water pipes in Derby are old uh, and unreliable. There's water pressure problems in West Derby. Specifically, the danger, according to the Regional Water Authority, is that if you have a fire that's uh, taxing water use, you could have a complete failure of the water system in West Derby. So first they tried to build a water tank on top of what's called Telescope Mountain. That was met with widespread opposition from neighbors and city government eventually. Right now they're looking at the woods across from the former Varka building in West Derby, Coon Hollow Road, Coon Hollow and Chatfield. Basically, there's a patch of land, an acre or so, between the entrance to the Derby Middle School, uh, high school entrance, and Coon Hollow Road. And it's a complicated deal. The city is basically looking for the Regional Water Authority to purchase some land that's owned by a, a church, an Ansonia church. Uh, and then the city will give or lease, I believe it is, for a dollar. I shouldn't get that into the details because it's not, I don't remember it. But uh, basically, it's sort of a swap that's going on. And the city also wants to uh, buy some open space as a part of this deal on the other side of town. Uh, I'll write about it this week. I've had the information forever. and I just haven't had a chance. But there is a public hearing. This is a 50-foot tall water tank, 1 million gallons. Uh, proponents say it's needed as a public safety measure. There are at least uh, two people who she appeared at a Board of Aldermen meeting a month or two ago saying, no, 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 the land is deed restricted. We need some open space in West Derby, and this is a bad idea, and they should look elsewhere. Okay, and then finally, the Derby Town Clerk's Office is continuing efforts to collect items for the St. Vincent de Paul Food Pantry on Roosevelt Drive in Derby. This is an ongoing effort that's been going on, I think, two years or so. Uh, this month, that is January 2019 as I record this, they're looking for hamburger, tuna, or chicken helper. If you can uh, help drop off your items in the town clerk's office, that's in the first floor of Derby City Hall at 1 Elizabeth Street. Oh, and by the way, Happy New Year, everyone. Okay, so here's a podcast recorded late one night, a Saturday night, where myself and two people talk about what it's like to have your hometown featured in the New York Times. And I just, I'm a little nervous about this one. I just want to say I probably come across as really bitter. I don't think I do a necessarily good job making my points. But I just want to say that I think Somers, New York is a great place to live and to raise a family specifically. And if I could afford to live there, I would in a heartbeat. That being said, the New York Times article is superficial trash. Okay, here we go. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. All right, you guys ready to go? Yep. Yeah. Here we go. 
Listen, I woke up in a foul mood this morning. I couldn't sleep. And I found myself the night before watching Norm MacDonald interviewing Super Dave Osborne from a, a few years back. No relation to the Osborndale State Park here in Derby. Anyway, I wake up. It's like 4 in the morning. I log on to my Facebook account, and I see a person commenting on a New York Times article I had posted the night before. I don't even remember what the exact New York Times article was about, but the person said something along the lines of, oh, I'd love to read that article, but my monthly limit is up. You know, because the New York Times has a paywall and all that, so you only can read, like, whatever it is, five articles a month. Anyway, a guy gets on my page. Now, mind you, I'm a reporter, like a nothing reporter, like a, a pimple on a flea's butt local news reporter, but I'm a, still a reporter. And this guy proceeds to explain on my Facebook page how to get the New York Times article for free. And it ticked me wow. off to no way. I was just like livid. Just like my brain exploded right there and I could feel my, my blood pressure rise. You know, that kind of sand behind the eyeballs feeling. Because judging by this guy's personal Facebook page and all his hot tub photos, he can afford a subscription to the New York Times. I have one. You know, I mean, I have one. I'm not making a killing doing what I'm doing for a living by any means. Anyway, so I post on my Facebook thread, pay for the damn news. That's it. I wanted to say a lot more, but I just said pay for the day. I might have thrown an F-bomb out there too, but I figured we went to high school together, uh, me and this guy, but I'll get to that in a second. So... Uh, my point is, like, we just laid off a guy here at the Valley Indy. So I'm particularly prickly when people and businesses and everybody wants something for nothing. They don't want to pay for professional journalism or semi-professional journalism or whatever the heck it is I do. They don't want to support their local democracy by buying a cheap $100 ad, $90 ad. They'll actually be seen by people. So I wrote, pay for the damn news again. And then the guy's reply was long. He, he obviously taken five minutes to think about this. And it made me think of where I grew up. And it's the same place my two guests today grew up and call home, Somers, New York. So before we go any further, I want to welcome to the program Brian Spears, my oldest, literally oldest. He's old, and he's getting older every day. He's got a birthday coming up. Uh, a special effects makeup artist. Uh, from Somers, New York, still calls Somers his home. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Hello, hello. And like it's your umpteenth appearance. And secondly, I want to grant or give. I don't know how. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm awkward. Warm welcome to Shannon Houston, another fellow classmate of 1992 Somers High School. Welcome to the program, Shannon. Hello. Now, Shannon, right before we went on the air, I used this magical device called Google. So I'm going to read your bio, or at least what I, what I put together as a bio. A professional would have actually emailed you and asked you for a bio, but I don't do that. Shannon was born in Boston, Massachusetts, something I didn't know. But she grew up in Somers, New York. And I'm going to say Shenarock specifically. Yes. She attended the State University of New York College at Potsdam, graduating with a BA in English. I'm sorry, look, I blew that. English writing and social. You get three degrees. How many, how many degrees do you have, Shannon? I had two majors. Yeah, I, I had one degree, two majors. All right. So what is it? English writing and sociology? Yes, two useless majors. Uh, you, you're talking to a MassCom uh, guy here, so don't worry about it. Uh, she mainly uses these locations as a setting of her novels because what I haven't mentioned is Shannon is an author. Uh, what did Shannon write? Wait, I cut that part out. She wrote a bunch of articles, uh, or, or, or I'm going to have to edit this again. Shannon, what are some of the uh, novels you have written? 
Well, my first novel was about my experiences being bullied in the summer school system. It's called The Playground. Um, I, I call it a, a novel because I actually had to come up with a lot of stuff. Like dialogue, I had to reinvent dialogue because I don't remember. I was 11. Mm. So even though I remembered certain things, I had to, you know, come up with dialogue. And I, I actually consolidated several characters into one. So I couldn't call it a memoir. Because it's not it's not completely true. But and the feelings are true. there. The feelings are there. Is, yes. Is, yeah. Yes. So and you know what I loved about your bio? Because now I found it again. I apologize for, for, That's fine. for messing that up. But uh, at the age of eight years old, Shannon enjoyed a brief interlude of local notoriety when she won the best fairy tale of the year at Primrose Elementary for the Poison Tulip, which she had written and illustrated herself. The story was published in the North County News. Our local newspaper, which no longer exists, and for a short period of time, she enjoyed a taste of fame. And I have like that triggered like vague memories. I was probably angry at you that you, you beat were in me that out. Class. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, was it Mrs. Attridge, right? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I was like, "Damn, Shannon beat me." I probably, I probably ripped off like the plot of the world according to Garp and tried to, sh- you know, <laughs> morph it into a, a fairy tale because that was a. Well, I still remember that article had a picture of you. Really? Why? From our like Laurel Ing- Laura Ingalls day, had a picture of you in old fashioned clothing. Oh yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah, I have that photo. Wow, that's wild. Now Brian wasn't involved in any of this because he spent uh, his third grade in juvenile detention. Isn't that right, Brian? <laughs> Weren't you in so- totally. St. Joseph's? Well, that wasn't until like fourth or fifth grade. I oh. went to Primrose. Oh, I remember you as being a bad kid. I mean, you know, <laughs> not in like high school. In high school, you were not, but in in elementary school, I remember like the aides always yelling at you, like always having you cornered on the playground, yelling at you about something. Yeah, I guess I it'll be in my next memoir. <laughs> well, here's the thing about some of the aides. Like, I was just thinking the other day, it's just weird. They're all somebody's moms, so I was probably really mean. Well, <laughs> here's the thing: some of those moms weren't so nice themselves. Looking back, because I was thinking, like, I have. Like you know, I've two. It weren't kids. like the housewives are in Somers now. Is that most well, of the well, ones then had must like half mustaches? Whoa, whoa! Not really that offensive. definitely doesn't happen now. They all dress like that, like but one of those. My models. old, my old man like ran a nursing home there in Somers, and and uh, you know now he's the uh, first cop in charge, whatever the heck it's called. I, I remember at one point I had. This one aide in the intermediate school actually would, would make comments about me all the time, like about how I looked, about how my what? hair was. Yeah, dude. And it's actually somebody we know. We actually, uh, we know her son. And uh, it, what happened was, I guess my father had either fired the husband or something like that, and she oh, took, it awesome. my, took it out on me. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, I don't know. You, you grow up thinking these, these people are like uh, heroes but some of them were just lousy and rotten. But anyway, that brings us to uh, the topic here now. This is a weird navel-gazing because we're not talking about the lower Naugatuck Valley. But I don't know, this, this long post that this classmate of ours put on my Facebook page just made me think about Somers in general. And then on top of all this, Somers was just featured, Somers, New York, not Summers, as they say it in Connecticut. There's a Summers on the other side of the state. In Massachusetts, there's Somerville, too. Yeah, it's all it's all weird. But the New York Times did like one of these living here type articles where they just sort of drop a reporter in, I guess, to write about the community, and which is fine. They've been doing those for a hundred years. But for some reason, and maybe I need therapy, 
I was bothered by how people in our social network, only on Facebook, I mean, like people from Somers and that we sort of maybe tangentially knew, uh, gushed over this article. Oh, yeah, I read it. I saw it on the Somers record. Somebody... They were, yeah, everybody was just like, eh, this is so wonderful. It was just like all pink cloud and puppy dogs. And I don't know, it sort of, I got a little resentful. And I'm, but that's my own thing. But you guys live in Somers in the town where we grew up. Uh, I'm just wondering what you guys thought of the article i mean i should just give people a taste of what we're talking about here the headline yeah it's living in somers new york a close-knit town with plenty of shopping and great parks residents enjoy the largely unspoiled character of its setting as well as a good school system and a sense of history and then they got a picture of the elephant hotel which is the locally famous uh, town hall there and then it begins back in 1996 michael how do you say that name siafi chaffi chaffi I don't know. And his fellow kindergartners took an apple-picking field trip to Stewart's Fruit Farm in Somers, New York. Little did he know that 22 years later, he and his wife, Emily, would purchase their first house together just a half mile from the farm. And then it, like, mentions later, in a highest and best competition with two other bidders, they paid $560,000, $10,000 over the asking price. Uh, I was thinking that he can afford that at that age. I can't afford that now. Right, yeah, I can't afford uh, Yeah, 44, there's no way I could could afford that. I'm underwater in my mortgage, but they work. The only reason I even have a house in Somers is because I inherited it. It's not because I bought it. That's right, yeah. Me (laughs) too. Same thing with Brian there. And so, but they both work as uh, electrical engineers at Indian Point, which I thought was closing. So I don't know how, hopefully they can. I better make all that money right now. So the gist of the article is sort of like how wonderful Somers is. and Block uh, parties. That's yeah. what they said we have block parties. When? Yeah. I've never had a block party. Yeah, what did you guys think, Shannon? What, did you read it? Were you kind of yeah, like I immediately? Read it. Okay. Go ahead. Tell me what you thought. Um, well, first of all, I'm still living in Somers, so I'm a little worried but <laughs> about what I might say, that it might come back to haunt me, that I might get my house might get egg next Halloween. Um, I, I felt like Does that still was, happen? Like, did people still no, egg? Well, like, Shannon used to be the bad. That was the, that was a tough place to go at Halloween back in the day. I think so, but not on my. But we're like the weird people on the block that people stay away from. So nice, not my house. They think that we're all we're witches and stuff. So because you know none of us are married and we have a million dogs, so um, they kind of stay away. So I probably won't have a problem, but I kind of felt like it was shallow. Like it was trying to make something. For me, my experience in Somers has not been great. Uh, I mean, as an adult, it's been fine, but as a child, it wasn't. I didn't feel it was a good place to grow up. It was. I didn't feel included. Mm. I felt like um, if you didn't have money and you didn't have um, status, I, I just felt like it wasn't an inclusive community. When he says it's um, close knit, I, I kind of don't feel that. I I don't feel like I've my family and I have never really, um, I'm not the word I'm looking for. We've never really mixed well with Somers. Even now, we kind of keep to ourselves. It was interesting. So, like, yeah, it's, it sort of presents this. It doesn't come out and say, hey, this is a really rich, lily-white community. Yeah, but, exactly. it, but the article kind of does say that. It was kind of like off-putting to me. Uh, you know, hey, we got great shopping and what? I mean, great shopping. What shopping do we have? <laughs> I guess it was super, we got super. Nothing in Somers proper. Like you don't shop. You go to Katona. You go to Yorktown. You go to 
I mean, I guess there's some overpriced stores, grocery store coming in now, but I mean, we had a Gristides. Well, stop shopping and shop. Set, you know. Stop and shop is part yeah, of some. I mean, again, stuff. it's part. Yeah, I guess so. That whole ball. Yeah, place. But, but again, stop and shop is everywhere. No, yeah, it's not like hey, I've yeah. never thought of like great shopping as the stop and shop, and then I'll go yeah. hit the the home. Sh- place or whatever or I'm going to I'm going to buy a I'm going to buy a house on the hey they got a stop and shop there. I think yeah, they got exactly. Peapod too. Well, I think of shopping as like clothing yeah, really... and stuff, not food. Yeah. Yeah, it was I a mean, real I mean I actually actually a full disclosure guys, I didn't read the article. It's sort of well, like I told box. you we're going to be talking about it. Would it kill you to but It's like bird but it's like bird box. Everything everyone's telling me to watch that. Everyone's telling me to read about this town that I live in. I live here. I don't know. Like, it just didn't make sense to, it, 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 you know, it's like propaganda. Of course they're going to say live in Somers, you know, that everyone, you know. I guess if you're going to rate it, like, on, like, on some type of index, sure, it's probably a nice community to live in. I saw some people saying, like, there. I don't know who it was on one of those Somers Facebook community pages. I mean, every community now has their volunteer-run sort of insane local uh, uh, community page. And somebody on there was saying, like, you know, ah, it's becoming a city. Because it was interesting to... Uh, I saw that. I almost responded, but I already got into trouble for responding <laughs> to another comment, the Confederate. I got into a big thing with somebody, and he was, like, actually calling my house and being psycho. So I was like, don't respond. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, you can't be too careful nowadays. <laughs> but, like, I, I mean, it, and they, I guess, because we grew up there, uh, and now we're old. <laughs> and... Like the Somers that we knew as kids, especially the three of us, because Shannon lives in Shenorock. Brian and I grew up in Lake Lincolndale, and Shenorock and Lake Lincolndale are sort of next to each other in a weird way, so, uh, uh, separated by woods and old train tracks. Pipeline, the old, yeah, yeah the a, old ga- pipeline. a gas pipeline, and 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 uh, utility. And we wires. were the working class. We were the working I was class. Say, we, were, the, like, we, were, we were the we poor parts. We were the poor parts of yeah. we were the poor we're, parts of Somers, the poorest. When I describe the people where I live, I tell them I live in the ghetto of Somers. Yeah. Mm. I've heard it said Shenorock is the ghetto of Somers. Now, I've heard I, that said. When I worked at the Patent Trader, a weekly newspaper that used to exist in Mount Kisco, uh, the Somers reporter, uh, we would refer, me and him, uh, to Shenorock as the murder capital of northern Westchester. Because every couple of years, there'd be some insane Back shooting. Then, or... Yeah, in the 90s. In the 90s, we had several in, in Shenorock. And I don't think anything since then. I don't think we've had any murders in Somers since then. So I think it's been about an 18-year streak. Let me just let's knock on wood. But, like, it, so it's weird from my perspective. Uh, yeah. to, right, yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't realize I grew up in the poor part of town until Mr. Bickle told me in economics in like 11th grade, where he referred to, he goes, oh, yeah, you're Lake Lincoln, that's the ghetto of Somers. I was like, what, yeah. what, really? I just had no idea. I didn't really. Oh, I was having it said to me in sixth grade. Actually, I go through that in the playground. People were telling me I was poor. I didn't know it was I was poor until it was pointed out to me. And, and so it's weird to read this sort of homogenous article where the entire town is just painted with this sort of, you know rich guy brush without coming out and saying it. When I don't, I never felt that. I you know if you're gonna do an article, but, just do it on but, Lake Lincolndale or just do it on Shenorock. And it those was are, phony. Yeah, it's but like you can't you can't paint up. Say wait, you is. talked over me. All right, go ahead. But I, I, I just think it is that now. It was like my community now is not as blue collar as it once was, and I, br- I brought this up before with you, Eugene. Hmm. It's uh, 
like we have a lake community here. We actually have a lake. I believe Shenorock's lake is closed due to sewage and whatever <laughs> other chemical or you know toxic Avenger type <laughs> Just, stuff there the is. The toxic there. Avenger is coming yeah. out of there soon. But, Jeez, you're really tearing down the stereotype there, Brian. Thanks. But, like, you're bringing Shannon back is, to third grade here. But but uh, but back then, like for instance, the lake community here. I never saw a father at the lake. Nowadays, you have a father. The fathers are there. Like you know, the weekends, the week during the week, the parents are there. It wasn't like that growing up. You know, uh, maybe we did live in a different era. You know, like you went out when it was daylight. You came home when it was dark. Like yeah. now, kids don't go out. They just Without. stay on their computers. And you know, we you evidently get all our news from Facebook. But it just seemed like I don't think it's a working class community anymore. I do no. think all of this article is correct in 2018. Now, being the guy that lives alone in a single in a house that he should be, you know, with a fit, you know, I'm like the only single weird guy in my neighborhood that's not been divorced. That you know, we have it's that like in a common. weird community to live in. But I do think it's. Wait, wait, it's let me just stop you. That, when you yeah. say it's a weird community to live in, you mean based on the fact that you're uh, unmarried in a like a bedroom community, you mean? Yeah. It's, it's basically, like, Somers is like, a New York yeah. City bedroom community, right? Everyone sort of yeah. still works in the city, right? It still works in the city, but I also think even nowadays, it's not as working class anymore. It's not the cops going to the city and the firemen. Yeah, it's not like a plumber going somewhere. It's not like, you know, everyone has a... You know, I don't know. They sell something on the computer, or they they can work. They wear casual pants on Fridays now. And what so about you, I Shannon? Just, you, like you, you, Brian had said. Well, Brian, is that what you were saying? That it's like uh, being single in Somers is a weird thing now, or yes. Well, I mean, yes, you stick out like that. a sore thumb. You're the weird person. Because you're, you're all right. Because well, yeah, everybody's got like the the SUV with the stickers on the back with the dog yeah. and the, whatever. And Brian's yeah, got dead bodies in his, we in didn't his car. Fulfill our, we didn't fulfill our destiny to breed. And I, and at this point, it, for me anyway, it seems unlikely. But it's funny, I was just thinking as you said that, that both Brian and I have creative, are very creative and have had a lot of, um, we've produced a lot of creative, him with his movies, me with my books. I wonder if that would have happened had we been married. Hey, this is Eugene, most likely interrupting myself to bring you a word from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. What will you be remembered for? Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what matter to you. Making a gift that costs nothing during your lifetime is easy and revocable if things change. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action inspires others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the Valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about planned giving options. Plan now. Give later. Impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. What about you, Shannon? You ever thought of, like, uh, you know, getting whatever? I don't know. Where where do people move? I've always felt like I've been trapped in this town. Like, my, my family was working class. They had a hard time making ends meet. So once I graduated from high school, I started contr- working and contributing to 
um, the mortgage and contributing to the bills. What'd your parents so do? Pa- what like what'd your dad do for a living? What'd your mom do? My father, his his last job was his last, um, his his last real job was he was head of night security at um, Lincoln Hall. Oh sure, okay. That's a juvenile. Yeah. At the time, it was a juvenile detention yeah. facility in yes. Somers. I don't know what it is right now. Like a I guess. list that is in Somers, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't that doesn't make it into the uh, the New York Times. We but have anyway. a boys' home here. Yeah, they didn't mention that. Right. Well, right now, that's being it's used to being held children that were separated from their parents. And my mother was a nurse's aide, and she at she was at the time your father was the head of that nursing home. She was in that nursing home. In fact, she had a lot of respect for your father. And whenever I had a problem, she was always like, "Tell Mike Driscoll, give Mike Driscoll a call. He'll do something about it." Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. So, um, and then and then you know. My mother was always a nurse's aide. In fact, when she died last year, she died um, a week after her last patient did. She was a home health aide, and he was 102 years old, and he died January 2nd. She died January 9th. Wow. Yeah. But that's always what they did, and they were always kind of dependent. I mean, they didn't make the kind of money that people in Somers made, so they were kind of always dependent on their kids to bring in money. And they came from a neighborhood where that was expected. Like, it's funny because parents today, they, they, they act like, you know, the kids are the center of their world. My parents, they were the center of their own world and the kids were supposed to be contributing. Like, it was totally a different outlook. Like, we were supposed to be bringing in money and helping them. So It was an I, old world thing, right? Yes. What was your, your dad was Irish, right? Was he like, he was yep. from Ireland? He like off the boat? Not, from, not no? right from Ireland. Okay. No, we were, we were from Charlestown originally in Boston and Charlestown is an Irish, I, I don't like to use the word ghetto, but, you know, it was at that time. There was a lot of, the Irish immigrants came, they settled there, they stayed there. My family had been there for 150 years when they moved. So they came, they never really lost that um, old world mm-hmm. outlook. But yeah, so that what ended up happening is then in my 20s, my father got sick with cancer and he was sick for years. And it was like, it kind of snuck up on me that I kind of got stuck here. And Although then he having, and having a, I'm sorry, go ahead. And then, you know, I had to contribute to the bills for that. So yeah. And, and having a house in Somers isn't a bad thing, we should say. It's not a bad investment uh, no. where you guys live. Cause def- I mean, one thing that made me laugh in this New York Times article, they sort of went over the price range, and they said something like, you know, oh, you can get a house for $200,000 in Somers. I so. said, I'm where? Like, <laughs> it's like, what? I was like, where well, it parents? could be mine. It, it probably is mine, and it has a hole in the roof. It has, <laughs> you know, like... A draft in the back door, it's you know, like, New York. You can, do you it get, yourself. Renovated bathroom. Yeah, you can get but like the, yeah, a, a locker buy room it for two hundred. But then you double it and triple in size and sell it for eight. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's a house you're gonna flip. You know what I mean. Like it's not yeah. a real a house you're gonna move into. We have yeah. homes from two hundred thousand dollars up to two million. Okay, that's it. That's from a, a a realtor there in Somers. The other thing that I thought the article lacks, and I guess the. In my opinion, and I don't really have any proof of this other than just the feeling, this these ty- these in living articles are just you know newspapers need realtors they need real estate real estate advertising, uh, especially to appeal to Manhattan folks who read the New York Times at a greater concentration than anybody else on planet Earth, or Brooklyn types you know which is you know of course growing and more and more wealthy and Westchester is the first place you go. 
Uh, so Somers is sort of off the beaten path compared to some of the other communities, like a Chappaqua or something like that. Mm-hmm. So this is basically an advertisement, this this article. And I think it's, it's sort of funny to be not a victim of it, but just sort of read this sort of BS whitewash of Somers. Uh, but I understand why they did it. But they don't they don't touch upon, like I said, they don't touch upon the struggle that Somers had that every single Somers article in the North County News when we were growing up was about. And I remember it as a kid. They would always say Somers was trying to, quote, maintain its rural character, unquote. That was exactly that was happening all the time. And then they just mentioned as an aside in the article, oh, you know, there's some of these developments like the preserve, which, I mean, if you... I was a reporter in Somers when they were building that thing. Not in Somers, but in the area. And Shannon, you live next to the preserve. I mean, that thing is disgusting. <laughs> it's just horrible. Can I tell you, those houses, we have three houses breathing right down on us that I could pick up a rock and hit the property. Those houses were put up literally over a weekend. And it's just like, and for people who have no idea what we're talking about, you have like this former uh, or not former well yeah it was a former summer community Shenorock, right so you got houses close together uh smaller houses sort of like around cottages here. yeah yeah they were cottages yeah exactly on a quarter acre a lot of them you know two three bedroom uh, three bedroom at the most you know mostly one baths and then next to it you had woods for the longest time and that's where like brian and i and everybody from Shenorock like and like Louis, that's where we grew up they call it was like called acres. nine acres. You'd ride was it nine acres or ten acres? Nine acres. It was, well, definitely it was nine called acres. nine acres. And those were uh, dumping grounds. Those were town dumps. Yeah. They were unofficial dumps where you'd, you know, I remember crawling into cars and refrigerators as a kid. Oh. It was it was very standby me-ish. It was very cool. Then they came in and just developed it all into big mansions. And the, like the monstrosity, the most offensive one is definitely the preserve because they also put up a water tower that I can see from my parents' house. Really took my nephew the other day we went for a walk down the pipeline and what was weird is you know again how do you even get in there now without getting arrested well i mean i that's the weird part taking a five-year-old i'm like he's like can we get arrested for this i'm like yeah we could (laughs) the weird part was what used to be this mecca of woods literally we could stand on the road from where it used to be like the wilderness you know like like kind of like you said like a stand by me experience what 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 you know to go to these old railroad tracks I thought would take hours. I literally could stand on the side of the road, still see those tracks now. And what was even weirder is now you see these big McMansions, literally uh, like where. So that's it's what that, is that like close? What does that feel like when you look at that though? Because as our kids, that was our, that was our expanse. That was our wilderness. Well, let me tell you. They put a gate across my, the end of my road. They they extended the road into the preserve, then put a gate across yeah. it. So well, you got to keep Shutter, there. You got to keep Shutter Rock out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we couldn't get in there. No, 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 no. <laughs> is it armed? Is it like? A, is it? Uh, they uh, has Trump showed up to put anything there? Not not as yet, but um, I will tell you that I was walking. I walked my boyfriend's dog in there around the water tower area. Because they left the gate open, and I noticed that that afternoon so it was locked up again. Pee on it all the time. Oh, they knew they knew you got through. You probably set yeah, off a I sensor. Yeah, there's a camera or something in there. Got to keep the rock out. <laughs> it's like Shannon, like growing up in the rock. Like you got, I mean, because when me and Brian were in Lake Lincolndale, there was a weird generational thing happening, or maybe me and Brian were just jerks because we only hung out with me and Brian. 
You know what I mean? There were other kids in the neighborhood, but it was just me and Brian mostly. But the they Rock, the Rock had. You didn't hang out with the other kids on the other side of the lake because it was too far, and you didn't hang out with the kids on the other oh. side of the hill. It was all we were the two of our age group. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. was definitely like uh, it was kind of weird though looking clicks. back, don't you think? Though, like we didn't, we didn't like. Why do we hang out with the kids on the other side of the hill? I was the only kid my age in my neighborhood, and I ended up hanging out with kids that were like four years younger than me, which was like totally shameful. Like I think almost now it's almost like a normal thing, but back then it was like you're too old to be hanging out with them, you know. But I did it anyway because there was no one to hang out with. And then you know, obviously, just like transitioning here into some of the books you've written over the years, mm-hmm. the the playground was the first one, right? And that mm-hmm. was that's basically that's literally taken from the playground. Uh, yeah. What, but Primrose at uh, yeah, Somers? Yeah, Somers, Somers Intermediate School, yes. It still looks exactly the same. If you're passing Somers Intermediate School and you look at that playground, it looks exactly the same. You know, everything else has changed. Like the school is bigger, both the schools have changed, and there's more parking lots, of course. But that, that area looks exactly the same. And so give us a, like a synopsis uh, of the book. I mean, you recount, um, you recount being bullied horribly by yes, our fellow classmates. Grade. Yes, in sixth grade, and it's funny because I remember that when I oh wait first in sixth grade okay book, sorry so that's that's a, that's the other side of town right that's the intermediate school then yeah it was the intermediate school okay. um in sixth grade I, I I had an awful horrible year it was to the point that like I'm trying to articulate this it, bullying was looked at differently in the eighties now it's looked at well if your if your kid is bullying someone there is something wrong with you as a parent and there's something wrong with your kid back then it was looked at if this kid is being bullied there's something wrong with that kid there's a reason why all these kids are picking on that kid so i was not i was traumatized twice not only was i traumatized by the fact that all these kids were picking on me i was also traumatized by the adults around me acting like there was something wrong with me. And the, who were the and adults, I, like the teachers and things like yes. that, the people that are supposed to be protecting yes, that you? Really, that really, I mean, I, I think I've carried that with me forever. What, oh, you still there? Yeah. I think we just lost Shannon. No, no, I hear. All right, Shannon, I apologize. As you That's started fine. talking, I dropped out of the call somehow or... Mark Zuckerberg got my freaking email and hacked All me. the Somers people didn't like what I was saying. Yeah, right? The intermediate school. But like sixth grade, I remember like sixth grade was such a, man, I don't want to do that again. Like that's, that's the yeah. worst thing about having a, I have a son now and he's seven or no, he's eight. And uh, he's not into sports. He's sort of, he's the, he's more timid. Like I, I was sort of raised by wolves because I was the youngest of five boys. Like I was an egomaniac with no self-esteem. Like I had no upper body strength, but I thought Mm -hmm. I could beat anybody up. You know what I mean? And I look back and I'm like, oh, I'm glad I was like that because at least I would swing at somebody. But I'm I'm dreading my kid as he goes through something like sixth grade. So uh, like are you involved now? Like how does that bullying affect you today? And how did writing the book help you in any way? Or... Um. I connected my bullying experiences. I have a pattern of getting involved with abusive men, and it took me a while to see that. It took me many years to actually see that um, that I was actually seeking out um, my bully. I was trying to win over my bullies by getting these men. I, I am drawn to men that remind me of the boys that bullied me. 
And it was mostly boys that bullied you, like in the it was mostly room? boys. Okay. In fact, yeah, um, it was it was boys in the class that bullied me, which is actually, I know at the time they seemed to think that that was like strange, but I've read up on the topic, it really isn't that strange. Hmm. Um, that it, it actually says what I've read on the topic is a lot of times it'll happen if a boy has a crush on a girl and it's pointed out to the rest of the class by the teacher that he will start, he might start bullying the girl to, because he's embarrassed. Right, yeah, and he and, strikes yeah. out, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it's in there, and boys are at an age where they're starting to have um, a sexual awakening, and they feel guilt about that. Yeah, Jesus, I think back right to sixth to grade, it's just like, God, I never, I would never want to do that again. Yeah, yeah, and, and, to, and to have the whole class know that you might be having those feelings towards someone, it's just such humiliating for the boy that it may trigger bullying. And I feel that's what happened in this case. And um, so I, one of my messages is that adults are the most important resource when a child is being bullied. It's it's more it's the adults and the way they react to it that really makes the difference. How could adults have reacted differently? Uh, like how ideally, and I'm sort of asking this as advice, like if my kid gets bullied at school, how should I react as a father? Take them away from the bullies. It's funny because it's come up. Uh, my boss actually asked me. He doesn't agree with me. He 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 goes. He he still is in the philosophy like a, a Christmas story where the kid raises up and beats up the bully. He's it's fantasy. Still in, That's fantasy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's still in that. Well, this is what should happen to stop the bullying. No, I think the best thing is to remove your child from the bully. I mean, whatever way. I think the best thing for me and for me, would be for me to have been removed from that classroom. I wouldn't have liked it. Let me tell you, I would not have liked that. But it would have been the best thing. I mean, in adults, a lot of times you have to realize that you have to make the best decision for your child. It may not be something your child likes. I mean, I don't have children, so it's easy for me to say. But and what about think, what about teachers? Like, what? How should they have? I mean, like separate. Look, just okay. Like, in my situation, really, there should not have been, you know, you had those open classrooms, remember? Yeah, we should, for, for anyone listening, we went to, like, I mean, looking back, we went to Somers Intermediate School, which didn't have <laughs> walls in the classrooms. It was, like, some type of hippy-dippy theory at the time, I guess, in the 80s. Classrooms without walls. So we just had bookshelves, and you could see into the next class, and then you could, there wasn't, we had, we had a common area. It was basically, like, one giant giant enormous room divided into six or seven classrooms and that was the fifth grade there's a weird yeah. setup yeah so with that setup what would happen and um i've actually had other students in my class mention this also you had certain teachers that would just take off for periods of time and leave their class unattended because yeah. you had a teacher on one side and you're teaching the other side your kids aren't really unattended there's teachers right there with them in the room but the teachers aren't paying attention. They're paying attention to their own class. So in, in my situation, I think that contributed a lot to the bullying because a lot of it took place when the teacher was out of the room. So and supervision, she, yeah. Yeah, she was leaving the room a lot. And um, God, I'm, I feel like she's going to call me after this. <laughs> <laughs> she was leaving the room a lot, and she was leaving the room unattended. And that's when a lot of the bullying was taking place. And so I think she knew that on some level, and she knew she was to blame. So that that she began to resent me because it was almost like I was telling on her, even though I wasn't. And 
I think that that just what led to just an awful situation that should really not have happened. And hopefully, I mean, from what little I've experienced uh, talking to like my kids' school about certain things, uh, I think at least you know at face value the you know the professionals in the building take it much more seriously than they did. Yeah, uh, and that's all because of uh, you know these school shootings, Columbine, and all the things that have happened where suddenly a student's mental health and his uh, sort of standing in, in, in the community, there's much more talk about school community now, which was never a thing when we were kids, uh, is just sort of at the forefront now, and hopefully it is working. Uh, but Yeah, there's, there's a lot more supervision these days than there was when we were kids. There always is a parent there or a teacher there. I went to my brother, uh, my nephew's... Uh classroom two weeks ago and there's like eight teachers in the classroom now well Um, a lot of that is because now uh special education when we were kids if you were in special education you were just ostracized from uh you know the mainstream kids uh and and that's not right uh now the thing is if you're blind literally blind you are in a classroom with other kids, and you might have a power professional, a teacher's assistant there yes. to help you, uh, which is, I mean, one thing that happens here and where we are in lower Naugatuck Valley, we're a poor area. You know, I live in Derby, uh, and, and the city next door is Ansonia, and basically we're like peak skill. You know, we have high poverty mm-hmm. rates, uh, decently high crime rate for our population. You know, we've got issues. We're, we're among the most distressed cities in the, in the city, in the state of Connecticut. Uh, and you'll hear sometimes the school board people complain about special education costs and all this, and uh, it's just something I'm always wary of from growing up and seeing kids ostracized. And uh, yeah. I'm going off on a tangent, but if there's one bill I'm not, I'm, I'm not like, I don't mind paying. It's you know, if my taxes go to get kids educated in a regular classroom. I'm all for that. All right, let's wrap this one up. Okay. All right, I want to thank you guys uh, for coming on the Valley Indie Podcast, and hopefully I don't get uh, the office burned down for taking an hour to just talk about my high school experiences. <laughs> it's very cathartic. Yeah, for us, but maybe not for listeners, you know? Yeah. No, not gonna... I think, you know, so they, well, they probably can relate. relate. They have yeah. the same story, just in a, they, it's just a different name of the road or a different story. Yeah. All right, see you. <laughs> Hundreds of years we've brought you the news